Episode 10 Alfred and Bruce were out all afternoon, apart from brief stops to drop off what they had bought, so the drummer and his pupils were able to continue until dusk. Bruce was doubly annoyed. Firstly, nothing had happened all yesterday and this morning. Then suddenly, Dorian re-enters the human race and does something cool, just as he, Bruce, is busy. Secondly, there they were, having fun, while he and Alfred had to do all the hard work. He did not quit in protest, because he was the only one, apart from Alfred, who was beginning to take the situation seriously, and think that maybe they ought to stock up with provisions in case things got bad. His shrewd business sense told him that he ought to prepare for any eventuality and make use of his opportunities. This was his chance to buy some extra items for himself with Chris's shop money. He and Alfred went the rounds, buying candles, lighters, batteries, first aid supplies, bottles, torches, tape, water purification tablets, etc. Even some hunting knives. That purchase woke Bruce up more than anything else. Alfred must have either watched too much of The Walking Dead something that Bruce would have expected of Chris and himself, or he must be seeing something the others weren't. When Bruce asked him why they were not buying food when everyone else was, he said that Bruce would see later. Bruce was suspicious and would not have listened to anyone else, but Alfred was always so sharp. He had recognised that there was a solar storm had filled the bathtubs and was now buying a well-selected array of survival materials. He clearly had a plan, so Bruce let him lead. For now. They trudged on foot from shop to shop, wishing they had bicycles. The whole town resembled what they could see from their own windows. Stalled cars dotted the road. There were not many of them since they had stopped at 8am on a Sunday, but there were enough to block the road from other vehicles. Other vehicles? What would those be? Bruce wondered. Horse-drawn carts? He shook his head to clear it of the absurdness of the idea. The streets were mostly empty, apart from the occasional shopper and the odd policeman. The quantities carried by the former indicated their worry, but the presence of the latter in force maintained an atmosphere of normalcy. Bruce and Alfred stopped by Chris's shop twice more for fresh batches of cash. Chris's shop was being all but emptied, so there was plenty of money for all the supplies. The only problem, besides the lack of transport and the fact that no radios were to be had, was their lack of expertise. Alfred was intelligent enough to figure out what was going on and foresightful enough to know what measures should be taken and, more or less, what supplies should be bought. He was, however, no survivalist or even someone familiar with manual work, camping, hiking, fishing or any of the activities and interests that involved the equipment they were purchasing nor were any of them except for Chris, who was tied down at the shop. Bruce and Alfred did their best, 
but how they wished for their phones so they could look up what items to buy, what brands were most reliable, what features some of their purchases should have. Not to even mention Google Maps. Siri? They had to traipse around, asking for directions like in the Dark Ages, blundering around with their laden backpacks. Still, it was a successful day, and that evening found all six of them pleased with their activities of the day. Chris had just about emptied his shelves. One more morning and they would be bare entirely. Alfred and Bruce had shopped till they dropped and had bought everything Alfred wanted, apart from the radios which were not to be found anywhere. Dorian had expended his soul on the drum set in total and glorious contrast to the silence of the previous day and despite all protest by the neighbours. Go ahead, call the police, he had grinned. Clive and Martin had begun to learn the basics and had thoroughly enjoyed themselves. Alfred's return and the dusk combined to put an end to the racket. After a lantern-lit supper, they congregated in the living room of flat four. They turned automatically to Alfred, the man with a plan. So what do we do now? Martin voiced their collective thought. Now? Now we wait, Alfred said. For what? For the power grid to be fixed, for news, for something to happen. Oh. Again, Martin voiced their collective sentiment. Disappointment. So you don't have a plan? Do we just sit around doing nothing? There's nothing to do. I'm so bored. Well, deal with it. You're not children, Alfred said. Stop acting like them. There was a brief silence as they wrapped their heads around this. There was no easy remedy that someone, most likely Alfred or Siri, was just going to magically present to them. Alfred had seemed to have everything in hand these two days, and their pre-existing respect for him had turned into reliance. That ended now. There was no grand plan. There is one last thing, though, that we could do, Alfred amended. One very important thing. Chris, how much food do you have at the shop? I thought you said the shelves were practically empty, Clive said. The shelves, yes, but... I just got in a truckload of tins and dried goods Saturday afternoon. The pandemic was building up and I knew there would be some panic buying. How much do you have? Bruce asked. I told you, a truckload. A truckload, blimey. I suppose that's one way to put it. The storeroom is jam-packed. I've never had so many tins and dried goods in my life. There was no room on the shelves. The shelves are all full and there are big piles of boxes on the floor. But you told customers today you had no more tins. I heard you. Bruce accused him. That was on Alfred's advice, but I have plenty. 
a couple thousand tins plus all kinds of other things. You canny old fox, Bruce said to Alfred in admiration. Alfred, what's going on? Martin looked from Alfred to Chris and back to Alfred. Alfred ignored him. Could you give us a list of what you have? He asked Chris. It's all on the computer and the inventory ordering app. I've no paper records, but I do remember roughly. Maybe 3,000 tins, beans, peas, soup, mushrooms, corn, tuna, sardines, peaches, pineapples, you name it. Then I've got a ton of pasta and rice that we can't cook. But also maybe 500 packets of crackers and another thousand to three hundred packets of other types of biscuits plus okay we've got the message you have a ton of food so martin cut him off go on let him finish alfred said plus two or three hundred jars of jam marmalade marmite three hundred bars of chocolate Perhaps a hundred packets or so of crisps and snacks. Those weren't part of Saturday's order and I'm running low. This order was only for durable supplies, you understand. The kind of things that people would panic by. That's more or less it. Oh, also a few hundred packets of nuts. There's also some coffee, tea, sauces, condiments, spices, squash and stuff that won't last very long or isn't very useful. Booze too, of course, but not a lot. I'm quite low on all that. I was going to order on Monday. So, mostly it's just tins, crackers, jams, chocolate, but a lot of those. People don't realise how much stock corner shops carry. They just see what's on the shelves. They sat in stunned silence. So, with Alfred's precautions and this... We're all set, Bruce said at last. Apart from water, but I got a lot of purification tablets today and the river's not far, Alfred said. So, yes, I believe we are pretty well prepared, depending on what we decide to do with the food. There's nothing to decide, Martin said. It's not our food. It's Chris's and the community are relying on him. Just think of it, Martin, Bruce said. It won't go far among all those people, but that's months and months of food for the six of us. We'll be fine, just in case... He did not finish the thought. They all knew what just in case meant. For a year, even, under tight rationing, Alfred corrected. More than enough for even the worst-case scenario. Come on, it won't come to that, Clive said. Yes, maybe it's good to have a couple weeks' worth of food at home just to be safe, but 3,000 tins a year and all that stuff you bought today, Alfred? Water purifying tablets, first aid supplies, hunting knives for God's sake. Sorry, Martin, that's just overkill. Better safe than sorry, 
It's just good to be prepared. Alfred was unmoved. Damn right, Bruce added. Speaking of which, who knows about this, Chris? Apart from you, only Emily, but she left yesterday afternoon to be with her family in another town by bike. I doubt she'll be back before they get the power grid fixed. And the delivery driver, of course, but he's long gone. No one saw him make the delivery? No, the back entrance opens on a side street. That's where he made the delivery. Few people ever go that way. You know that, so it's just us. I can't believe you're even considering lying to those people. Your customers, Chris, and letting them go hungry. It's not right and you know it. Martin said. And the moralist returns. Bruce observed. Shut up, Bruce, and I'm disappointed in you, Alfred. Nothing has been decided, Alfred said. It's just good to not rush into things and let panic buyers empty the shop. Chris should let them empty the shelves tomorrow, then close up. Maybe he can sell them his supplies gradually. Or maybe we'll need them. We'll see. He's right, Martin, Chris said quietly. I don't want to hoard this food for ourselves, but keeping it in reserve is the prudent thing to do. I'll just keep it safe and keep the shop shut for now. After the morning, that is. All right, but I know what they want. Giving Alfred and Bruce an accusatory index finger each. And I'm not agreeing to it. Martin stood up and laughed. Dorian, what do you think? Bruce asked him. You haven't said anything the whole time. Sorry, what? Dorian looked up as though awakening from a trance. I think Martin and Clive have a point. We should look to today, not tomorrow, and things will work out. Saving food for ourselves at the expense of everyone else is bad karma and short-sighted. I... Ooh. He pointed at the window ecstatically. Just look at the sky. I've never seen anything like it. Yes, that's what you missed out on last night, Clive said. The meeting clearly superseded by the natural wonder. They wandered over to the window to admire the aurora. Streams of light blue light, blending into green and yellowy green, were mounting to the zenith where they circled round it in a rich purple. The town was lit up in a ghostly light. I'm going out, I can't miss this, Dorian ran towards the door. There's a curfew, you'll be stopped, Clive called after him. Don't care. He was already out of the front door. They went to bed to waves of brilliant colour washing over the sky pale green advancing from one direction and a rich crimson from the other. Only Dorian was awake to see this display give way to the grand finale. A deep blood-red, bright as daylight, against the backdrop of which the stars were clearly visible. As it took over the sky, he shuddered. Alfred would have laughed had he seen him then. Dorian was praying. <laughs>